yeah. I love my HBCU. And boy, I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU. And man, I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. Yeah, man. I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. I tune into the SCCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth. But if they won, she tap. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, he know what he be talking about. Mike and Charles, they know what they be talking about. They compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they won a loss. And who's the ball? Who's the ball? So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes, sir. and pay attention. This is Dr. Gaville with Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, Professor Bishop, and Professor Washington. How you doing today? Doing well, Doc. Let's get into it. Looking forward to another uh, exciting uh, Tuesday night where we can uh, recap some of what, I know there's a lot of stuff that went on this past weekend, so looking forward to it. Yeah, not yeah, not, bad, not bad at all, Doc. Yeah, it was a good weekend uh, to some. The Texas schools went on the road. They happened to go to the state of Mississippi. It didn't end too well on Saturday for one school and then not too well on Monday either for the other school. So it'll be interesting to see what Charles thinks about this weekend and as well as what <laughs> Mike thinks as well. But we said, let's get into episode Two thirty of Inside HBCU Sports Lab Radio Show and Podcast, the show that's covering and sporting HBCU diaspora, all things HBCU sports from institutions large and small, from the NIA to the NCA. We share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture and HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs in the business of HBCU sports. Notice I'm starting out with my lab jacket, lab coat, as you would. So. You know, we'll start out with a lot of people say it's big news. We'll see what you all think about this big news. Uh, I'm your host, Dr. Yadikaville, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. We are filming from our home studios and sending a signal live to our KCOH 1230 AM studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer. That is Ralph Cooper in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. Today's episode, like always, of Inside HBC Sports Lab is sponsored by THG Agency. THG Agency is a company that provides sporting and educational consulting and data analytics. So with that being said, you know, usually I go to you all in regards to, you know, what the news of the day. But, you know, people have told me that it's big news that Hampton is expected to join the CAA, Colonial <laughs> Athletic Association. This is coming out of HBCUsports.com. Hampton could be on the move again. At first reported by College Hoops today, Hampton is expected to join the Colonial Athletic Conference as early as July 1st. The report indicated that the league was also targeting Mama and Stonybrook. There was a timetable on an official announcement College Hoops today and said Hampton and Howard, according to those with knowledge that the Discussing. They were rumored back in October. Looks like Howard was like, thanks, but no thanks. But Hampton says, we're all in. Hampton is currently a member of the Big South. With all seriousness, I ask you all, 
If a tree falls in the forest and does not make a sound, it's a big deal. <laughs> no, it, it, if it does, it's not making a sound, and it's not it's not big news. But uh, I guess the the million dollar question, Doc, is um, this is obviously something a big thing for Hampton. But I wanted to know why why was uh, you know the, why was this considered the ultimate chess move uh, for Hampton to uh, matriculate their way to the CAA to the Colonial Athletic Association. And, you know, from looking at the article, uh, especially going back to HBCU game day, you know, uh, Dr. Dennis Thomas at the time was made that that uh, statement that the moving to the CAA was the ultimate chess move. Maybe at the time with Virginia Commonwealth uh, being in the CAA, you know, maybe I could see it a little more then being at a basketball conference and trying to get that, uh, that other bid within the conference. But, I don't see the correlation now in terms of the big news of moving to the CAA. Somebody's got to explain that one. Right. To be fair with you, um, as you said, <clears throat> when the decision originally was to move from CIAA, MEAC directly into the CAA, I certainly think maybe 20 some years ago, you could make the argument that the Colonial Athletic Association, particularly in the sport of basketball, was a much better league because it was a multi-bid league, which means mm. financially that's a windfall to the conference and therefore the institution if they distribute the money like that. Because not only did you have George Mason, you had Virginia Commonwealth, VCU, which we all remember having uh, teams that have went that deep into the tournament. So you got multiple accolades from the Colonial Athletic Association in terms of what they were able to do Recently, though, it's been a one-big league. So you're yeah. going from one-big league to another one-big league to one-big league. So not a lot there. Football, this is a conference that had multiple teams that go into the playoffs. It's had multiple teams play for championships. Um, James Madison uh, being one of them, that's probably the most uh, recent one. But, again, they're leaving. They're leaving. So, yeah. Yes, right? So yeah. I think, you know, people – are considering the history in terms of where they've been. Uh, sometimes if we're not careful, we do have the proximity to whiteness that we continue to look at and see it as more popular uh, than you, where you are with the culture. And if you're making an independent move, I think 20 years ago, you could use the metrics to talk about how this is a much better uh, move in terms of what you seek to ascertain and what could be on the table. But at this point, I'm very intrigued what this really means. Um, and I say that in terms of the culture of interest. I thought it was fascinating just the other day when you had North Carolina A&T and Hampton play each other, and the news was out there about this rivalry being restored. And if you know anything about college athletics, a lot of college athletics are about rivalries mm -hmm. and the culture associated with rivalries. So if you take those rivalries away, the next thing is to start a new rivalry. And that takes time. Even in these super conferences we see, you know, expansion, it's the old rivalries that get the story. The new rivalries, if they get, you know, a boost of some really close games or something tactical goes on in the games, then they can start a laddering and create the rivalry that's necessary for it to explode. But in terms of the interest of the masses and even your 
fans. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see what that really looks like. To give you a case study on this, we have this with Tennessee State in the OVC. And we see that the lather rich um, rivalries that exist is, especially in the sport of football, is with Jackson State for the most part in his Southern Heritage Classic. And he gets a lot of lathering. Uh, you've seen some degree John Merritt Classic kind of get that. But things taper down when you get into conference play. The cultural connection is not there. You've seen an evasion, erosion of fan base from Tennessee State. And I'm not just saying this from this. I mean, you've had Tennessee State folks that have called me about this and they're concerned about that and that some administrators don't seem to be listening. There is a group of fans, you know, to be fair, that do uh, think that it's a better association of being an Ohio Valley Conference. But I would say that only matters if you win. If you don't win, um, the benefit of being in a conference either from perception or because of the data suggests it doesn't work if you're in the middle or at the bottom of the conference. It doesn't matter in terms of in a big fish in a small pond or, you know, being, you know, a large fish in this larger pond. What does it really do for you? Um, and so those are some things that are really interesting to me when you get introspective and you look at this from a truly a business perspective, what it means. And then the last thing before I let you jump back in here in terms of this is the academic association. And there is some framework to academic association and how it can uh, be supported by the conference. And certainly the low major or conferences below the power five. Uh, the Big Ten, ACC, Pac-12, they have these academic partnerships where they actually really provide academic clusters where faculty travel and trade each other. You see it most recently in the SEC uh, where they do a big connection from a conference perspective of how they do cross-cultural connections uh, between the academic programs. I have yet to see that, uh, view that, if you would, uh, at these mid-major and low-major conferences. So I'm always interested what that means because really how you, you know, rise in terms of your academic profile is the research that you do and are able to get, which we just recently saw with Southern and Prairie View moving to R2 status from the Carnegie classification. So I just wanted to make sure we clear and put that on the table and start out with some serious conversation of what this means and not just let somebody gaslight you in the term of whether something is big or not. Um, so did you have a follow-up question, Charles? And we're going to get you in there too, Mike, because I know you want to make some comments. Well, well, you touched on something with regards to the case study with Tennessee State. And I wanted to know, Doc, you know, what are those metrics that, that, are, that are glaring that state to you that there is an erosion of fan base? Are you growing the, 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 the ticket base? Or, I mean, what, if, if you see it, there's the a, metrics. There's a couple of things that I've looked at personally that are, that are important to me. One of the obvious is attendance. And people argue, well, attendance, you know, what does that mean in terms of quality wins? Well, you're right. In terms of direct results, attendance does not provide a framework for wins. But obviously, attendance can provide a revenue source. And with revenue sources, you can hire better coaches, better equipment, better facilities, depending on how much you're getting. And theoretically, usually the conferences spent, or teams and programs spend the most money, they tend to have a higher winning percentage 
until they match up with somebody that equally is paying uh, as much money. And then oftentimes it becomes more about uh, the Jimmy and Joe's you have in the coaching perspectives. But just in terms of apps of all that, then it usually goes there. The other thing I look at is just the fan base interaction, you know, uh, in terms of what's on social media platforms, those that have their own fan base, how much the people interact, what is the conversation like? And I'm talking about from a business perspective. If you see a lot of engagements from a business, that's what you you prefer because that means you can entice folks to support you. If you don't see lack of engagement, and I'm a business, that's concerning to me. I mean, it's going to be hard for me to support you other than at a very menial-based level where I'm just putting my name on it just to be saying some goodwill. But you can't command serious resources for that. So that's another place where I look at the cultural connection in terms of that. Uh, and so that's just a few, and I could go deeper, but I want to get Mike in there. Go ahead, Mike. Oh, sorry. So, so yeah, I think a lot of the points that you hit are really good. I think, you know, one of the things that stood, stood out to me when I heard this is what is the value proposition? What is the business valuation of this? So, you know, if you leave the Big South and go to the Colonial Athletic, what are the key drivers? What are the wins and losses? So James Madison is leaving, probably going to the Sun, sun Belt. <clears throat> so, you know, according to, you know, if this is true, you know, the CAA is looking at Stony Brook and Monmouth, Monmouth as potential members. And then Hampton. What's the matchup? Because if you look at the colonial division, so you're talking schools like Maine, Richmond, William and Mary, Stony Brook. I even saw an article saying <laughs> that this will allow, you know, the pirates to uh, renew a rival versus William and Mary. Does that fit in the, I know I had to stop when I saw that. I saw that a couple of times to renew a rivalry with William and Mary. I've never known Hampton to have a rivalry with William and Mary. Where do you want, where do you want your organization to be? What do you want it to look like? We know that rivalries drive success. There's, there's history, there's case study that rivalries drive business success. So is this the kind of rivalry that you want to drive? Is this the type of cultural fit you want to drive? What's the business valuation and proposition for Hampton? What's in the analysis? Is it just purely regional? Are there academics considered? You know, are there other sports that are considered as a natural fit? Are there doctoral studies? There are a few schools in there to, the, to, to credit that have doctoral programs, but I'd like to understand what's what's joined the Big South about a minute ago, we'll say two or three years ago, and things did not really, you know, matriculate into a relationship, <clears throat> and now you're jumping ship and going to the Colonial. I, I just like to understand what's the, the business from a business standpoint, because we know college sports is, is one part business. What's the business valuation? What's the wins, the losses? What's the gain to the Colonial Athletic Association? What's the gain to Ampton? Because that's not evident on, on, the, on the upfront story that I'm seeing, if it, if it goes to what we're hearing and what we're seeing. Well said, Mike. Uh, before we get out of here and get into this break, because I think we chopped it down enough, uh, let me get a shout out to the lab listeners out there. Appreciate it. 
uh, y'all jumping in here and they're chatting and they're using uh, tougher words than, than I did, but um, I thought it was interesting. Premier and then wins grant to produce show on HBCU Sports. This is by DiverseEducation.com. I think this is great in terms of using your communication program, but I'm fascinated to see uh, in terms of this 200K grant designed to build connection opportunities, will there be any sporting context in this? You know, and that's why I bring it up on the show, just to talk about what goes on there. Um, but also big news was Morris Flowers expected to take J.C. Smith, and that's Johnson C. Smith's job. This is part of HBCU game day. Obviously, he left Port Valley State University suddenly for a lot of folks, but I think he thought he had a great opportunity. Interesting, going from the SIC to the CIAA, uh, Johnson C. Smith is a total rebound. You would think Fort Valley for a while would have been a bigger program, but I'm interested in that Johnson C. Smith is actually uh, putting money behind a program to make this move. It'll be interesting to see because sometimes what you perceive is not necessarily what it is. So fascinating to see how this pans out and what kind of move it is. Well, let's get into this break. This is Dr. Bill inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. We'll be right back after the break. Stick with us, lab listeners, as we get into quarter number two. Nope. Nope. Come on, him. Ooh, I like him. Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. Never, ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Dandruff protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like really loves. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge. Featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to love that. And who the ball, the ball. So listen to Professor Yes, sir. Yes, sir. and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Will with Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. I did want to get into some of these matches. Let's get into this basketball talk. I like a lot of folks out of here. Some of them agree with what we said and some of them don't. I certainly understand. It's fascinating. We'll get into a little more conversation. But let's get into what took place uh, this past weekend. Should I tease Charles out or should I go ahead and let him get his come on? Man, you know, you started out 0-3. Let's start with the men's basketball. 
Yeah. I know Siri's not dead and the women are just doing their thing. So I'm almost already tired of talking about Jack State women. And I mean that extremely respectful because um, it's hard to even analyze what they're doing because they're literally like not just winning games, but they're like, dominating. I don't even know. Yeah. Worse than dominating the meat, Charles. You know, you try to be nice. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's quite ridiculous. I mean, it's not even close. I guess Texas Southern, to their credit, played it close for a half, maybe, uh, yeah. to some degree. Uh, and then yeah. it just got away from them. But most folks, they can't even get in within 20 points of this team. That, that's mm-hmm. amazing. I mean, uh, to give you a perspective, we haven't seen anything like this other than the kind of UConn days when they were going through their conference run and just, you know, literally dominating teams. American, uh, fascinating. Obviously, different level, but just to give you some comparison in terms of what you do within your conference or how you dominate teams. So I guess Shivery's not dead. Let's start with the women. Uh, let me go with you, Mike. First, in terms of just how Jackson State is dominating their competition, I think enough hasn't been uh, really talked about in all seriousness about what we see going on in the transformation. We see with Jackson State's women's basketball program, obviously last year they did the double-double, the regular season championship and tournament championship, and we always say it's tough to do back-to-back. But, I mean, they've getting, gotten off to a great start because literally the basketball season uh, essentially is 25% underway in terms of conference play. 25% has pretty much been completed. And look what they've done thus far. What, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Where do I start? No, I'm gonna say Jackson State ain't women ain't nothing, man. I don't know what y'all are talking about. <laughs> no, I mean <clears throat> seriously, their point, their 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 margin of victory, their last few games is 30 plus points. You look at their their last win against TSU. What was it 92 to 68? You know, yeah. Deja 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 Rogan. Uh, 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 Amisha, I mean, seriously, they outscored almost the whole team, literally. Um, so it was it was just incredible. So you look at what they're doing on the boards. Um, J- uh, Jackson State had 29 or 30 second chance points. So they're not only doing it from the field and from the paint, but they're getting those rebounds. They're getting fast break opportunities. And this is game after game after game. They are a well-oiled machine. So you look at what they're—I mean, I—they're just—they're just moving from from team to team. Go ahead. I'm sorry, CB. You're about to say something because I have plenty of more points. Before you do that, let me let me let before I let Charles jump in here. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna love them, who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention because he gon' teach a lesson. <laughs> we control the energy. We're live. This is Dr. Ville with Inside H. 
you see Sports Lab. As we were getting into it, we were talking about the women. I was going to go to you after breaking down these scores. As I said, Jackson State 75-49, Alabama State 79-58. Jackson State defeats them. Then they go and defeat Alabama A&M 79-52. Jackson State defeats Prairie View 87-52. And then they take down Texas Southern, Jackson State 92-68. Closest game was against Alabama State, 21 points. Um, that's just simply amazing. Charles? Do you recognize what you're seeing? Uh, I mean, can you even really ponder what this you've seen thus far? It's, it's tough. I mean, because they're that dominant. Um, and what they do is they beat you up on the boards. I mean, they, those uh, one thing that I take a look at uh, every night is those second-chance points. Uh, if they're not hitting a shot, they're rebounding. And what you'll see is a consistent Amisha Williams with a double-double. Uh, but you also have Deja Woodard, who's also – just as long, I mean, in terms of uh, getting on the boards, and, and she has had a double-double from time to time. Kashana Luck and Maya Crump. The thing that's scary about this team, uh, Dr. Bill, is they're deep. Uh, they're, they're more than just one through seven. They, they really can literally go 10 or 11 players deep, and there not be any drop-off whatsoever. And that's a huge feather in, in their cap in terms of, of moving forward because uh, they can just wear you down, and they will have that quarter. Uh, where it is a 6-0, run, and they can blow you out at that point. Uh, and all it takes is getting on that quick run uh, where you, they, they get you on your heels. So uh, what they've been able to do thus far, um, that early data point, uh, the sweep in Alabama, Alabama State and Alabama a and uh, by 20 points or more, uh, that was amazing to me. But I tell you, Coach Tamika Reed, she has this team hitting on all cylinders. Uh, she drives them. She drives them. She loves on them when they need to be loved on. But uh, she is just uh, one of the preeminent coaches, not just in SWAT, but in the nation. <clears throat> yeah, it, it's amazing. Look at everybody else. Uh, the big game was Southern and um, Jaguars, who were also trending in a direction where they were previously undefeated. But they go on the road to Grand Hamlin, which has always been a nemesis. Obviously, rivalry games are just that. But still, you know, um, we've known that Grambling has been able to get it done. They find a way to get it done again. So Southern drops to four and one. Pine Bluff has won four straight, so they improved to four and two. We thought they would be in the mix, but they kind of turned it on. So it's fascinating to keep your eye on them. Uh, you have Prairie View at three and three, Texas Southern at three and three. Um, you also have Alabama State Hornets, I should say, that were at four and one, uh, along with Southern. Um, and then you start getting these two and three teams, FAMU two and three, Alabama A&M two and three, surprising a lot of folks. Grambling improved to two and three to that credit. And then you have the Alcorn State Lady Braves struggling at one and four, along with Bethune-Cookman Wildcats and then Valley at one and five. Um, and so that's a lot that's going on there in terms of some of those races that are fascinating when you look at the swag in terms of women's basketball. Um, anybody, uh, to me, is the question that you asked for is, can anybody even give pause to Jackson State in terms of where they're running? Can, can somebody find a way to at least bump them off the rails and make them think twice about the regular season championship? UAPB As is a team. <clears throat> yeah, UAPB is a team that I think scares me. They, they got out to a, a, a shaky start, but uh, like you said, they've righted the ship and went in four in a row. Uh, but they have scores. They have Zay Green. They have Joyce Kennerson. They have uh, Maya Pete. They have Khadijah Brown. And they can rebound. And I, I think that's one of the things that you have to take a look at is a team that can – can they rebound with Jackson State? And I think UAPB is just a team that you're going to have to keep an eye on going forward because, uh, like with, with Joyce Kennerson, she gets hot. 
Uh, she is one of the uh, more dynamic players. We remember her when she was at Texas Southern. I believe she was our offensive player of the year or, or, or something to that effect. But uh, I think they have a team that's a, a just formidable that can give a team like Jackson State pause. Mike, what are your thoughts? Can anybody <laughs> stop agree. that train that is moving down the track? No, I, 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 I would agree for slightly different reasons. If you look at Who's leading the, the league in offense? It's Jackson State. Uh, they're scoring 76 points a game. You look at UAPB, they're the next one. They're scoring 69.2 points a game. They're allowing their opponents 65, 66 a game. And uh, the biggest point differential between offense and defense, of course, is Jackson State, Southern, and then UAPB. So in terms of balance, maybe UAPB has a, has a good chance. You also look at, you know, you know, field goal percentage, you know, uh, of course, it's Jackson State. They're hovering around 44%. Then you have UAPB, again, number two, somewhere at about 41%, 42%. Then opponent field goal percentage, what they're allowing the other person, you know, UAPB is right up there with Jackson State. Jackson State is allowing their opponents at 35%, whereas UAPB is allowing their opponents somewhere at 39%. The next closest team is Alabama State and Bethune, but they're not scoring it anywhere in the, anywhere near those other two teams offensively. So if you look at statistically, UAPB, if they continue their progress, they have a, a, a puncher's chance at maybe, you know, competing with Jackson State. I don't see anyone else right now. And Southern might have stubbed their toe against Grambling, but Southern, I think, is another team that is a scary type team because they get – balanced scoring, and they play tough defense. And, you know, Carlos Funches always has that team right there in the mix somewhere. And, you know, playing in Baton Rouge, that, that is just a tough place to play. So I think Southern is a good yeah, team they, that's they keeping an eye They are four and one, and so they hadn't had their shot. So we have to see that. Moving over to the MEAC before we get in this break, uh, MEAC had got some winning games and more, getting more games on the inside. You had Howard defeat me, Maryland Eastern Shore. 67 to 52 to give you some indication of what's there on Saturday at South Carolina State defeating North Carolina Central 63 to 51. Uh, Cobbin State uh, takes down their rival Morgan State 67 to 55. Unfortunately, Maryland Eastern Shore Delaware State game was postponed. To give you some indication, Howard is sitting at the top of the conference at 1 and 0 along with Coppin State and Norfolk State that played last week, sitting um, at the bottom of the conference. Is Morgan State at 0-1, Maryland East Shore 0-1, and North Carolina Central is 0-2. Uh, just to give you some indication of what goes on there. In terms of the Big South, looking at the standings over there, you have Hampton sitting at 2-0, 6-6 uh, overall. Uh, that's five straight wins. They hadn't been able to play in a couple of weeks. COVID not necessarily on their side. You have uh, North Carolina A&T, unfortunately. For them, they're sitting at the bottom on the women's side there. Three and ten overall, but they're zero and three in the conference race. So, not much going on for the women in terms of Aggies. A little better on the men's side, and we'll talk about that on the other side. But let's go into the uh, OBC just to give you an update with Tennessee State women um, as they played this past weekend. They were on a win streak, but it came to an end as they were trying to get going uh, with the tough loss. The game was postponed, um, and so they're trying to get into it to see what they got going on. If you look at the standings for Tennessee State, they're sitting at the top of the conference, uh, one game behind uh, Belmont Bruins sitting at 4-1 and one, uh, in terms, and they had that last loss, and again, they haven't played since then. 
because of the postponement. And those are the things that if you're winning can get kind of frustrated with COVID in terms of stopping that momentum. If you're losing, it can probably go either way. Maybe it's something that you want to see if you can regain uh, yourself or it doesn't allow you to get enough games in to get any traction. So fascinating to see there. Let's take a break here and get back and come back on the other side and talk about some of the men's side of the Division One. And then we'll take some updates at the uh, end of the hour. We'll get into some of the CIAA, SIAC, and give you some updates on what the conference races are going on there. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break, heading into the second half of the show. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvay. Nope. Nope. Want him? Ooh, I like him. Quick, the quicker picker upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker upper. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah. And who the ball, ball, So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir. And pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Lil inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Let's get back into it. Look at some of the men's side of the basketball hardwood. I'm going to go to the MEAC first. They had a big weekend. Uh, they had two teams that were playing really up to it. It was Norfolk State and Howard. But in a lot of people's eyes was the game that many people watched, which was on Fox, which was Notre Dame playing Howard. Well, that's not a big deal in non-conference play. But what really made this interesting was on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s holiday, Monday, but Notre Dame traveled to Washington, D.C. in the home first gymnasium for uh, the Bison of Howard. Big game, and they lived up to it. They played in terms of the game, had a last shot that could have sent it in overtime, essentially, um, hit the side of the rim not to be there, but they played really well in the contest, runs, back and forth and made it intriguing and certainly entertaining. A lot of good um, information was shared about Howard University, HBCUs, the MEAC even and specifically. They even touched on the game that was played Saturday with Norfolk State and Howard, where Norfolk State got some love in terms of what they were able to do in a close contest as Norfolk State gets it done on the road at Howard, 7-7 to 74 uh, very entertaining matchup, very close. Howard looks like they're back in the basketball business. Uh, obviously, hadn't necessarily got the wins uh, in terms of conference play, uh, but they are, if you would, six and eight overall. So they've got some non-conference wins. Uh, they're just 0-1 in the conference, so it would be fascinating to look what you see here. 
Norfolk State seems to be at the top, 3-0, and 2-0. and uh, But they have big matchups this weekend as MIAC has everybody playing four games on Saturday and then four games on Sunday. I mean, on Monday. We'll talk a little bit more about that Thursday, but some big-time matchups, I'll tell you, uh, that will be coming up this weekend. But uh, in terms of the conference state, yeah, um, rankings at this time, Calvin State sits at 2-0, and got two big wins. Morgan State is 1-1. Howard is 0-1, Maryland Eastern Shore is 0-1, Delaware State is 0-1, South Carolina State is 0-2, and they hadn't played in a while because they lost those couple of games the first weekend. Um, going to you, Mike, any of the games stood out to you in terms of what we just broke down there in some of the records or the matchup between Norfolk State and Howard or Notre Dame and Howard? Yeah, I think that that Norfolk State Howard game. I think it was a what three point differential. Mm-hmm. Uh, Norfolk State is pretty much you know on top on top of the MEAC, and and Howard played them really well. And you know we talk about Howard and their and their record, but they've got three or four cancellations in their past. And if you look at the last couple of weeks, so and I'm I'm assuming that's COVID related. So I'm wondering how good this Howard team is and can be. I, I, I haven't followed them close enough, but with three cancellations, they, you know, they, uh, you know, that, that look, that loss against, you know, you know, that loss against Notre Dame, that loss against Norfolk state. If there is such a thing, I hate the term, but I'll use it a quality loss. They lost to Notre Dame by three. They lost to a really tough Norfolk state by three. Previous to that, they had four cancellations due to COVID. I wonder, you know, maybe that's not the excuse, but that's a factor, a data point. And I wonder how good this Howard team can really be. That, you know, that's a that's that's the major data point that stands out to me. Yeah, before I go to you, Charles, make sure if you hadn't seen already uh that Morgan State Cop and State highlight. Cop yeah, State that's won what the I game. Was talk about. But it was on a half court heat. Right. And they went mad in Cop. I loved it. I mean, they were all over the place. Got some ESPN prop to it. I mean, highlights galore. And it was the definition of a rivalry game. People was like, oh, what did I just see? And so that was exciting to get in there. So for those that hadn't seen it, uh, maybe we get a chance to throw up some highlights a little later. Uh, but that was a fascinating matchup when you talk about Cotton State, Morgan State. Uh, that game-winning bucket literally at the buzzer. Some people wasn't sure it was good, but it certainly counted. Charles? What are your thoughts in terms of the MIAC? Well, that, that was the one that I was actually going to bring up, Nimbit Tart, uh, knocking down the uh, half-cut buzzer beater to knock out uh, Morgan State. And like you said, the, uh, the Coppin State faction of the crowd, because I think it was played at Morgan State, went crazy uh, when you talk about those two uh, uh, schools in, in direct proximity from each other. But, you know, to your point with Howard, <clears throat> I was very curious about watching Howard. And, and Mike, you mentioned it. I think COVID has played uh, – uh, has been a detriment to them, but uh, they have three scores like right in the top 10 of the year. When you talk about uh, Kyle Foster, Steve Settles, and Elijah Hawkins, and they all showed uh, very well against Notre Dame. I think Settles had 25 points, Kyle Foster 12, uh, and, and Hawkins 12, but uh, they look like they're going to be a bit of a problem. Like you said, Dr. Bill, they're back in the uh, business of basketball, but I tell you what, they did a great job against Notre Dame. They created some turnovers. They rebounded well. They hit open shots. They were a fun uh, basketball team to watch. 
and the crowd. The crowd was there. I love uh, the excitement of the crowd. Just something different. Uh, basketball crowds over there on the East Coast. Give them all the credit in the world. But shout out to Grandma this past weekend. 5,000 people for the dedication of Willis Reed Court. <clears throat> yep. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll get a chance to go a little deeper in that as we shift to the sweat. Before we do that, I did want to talk about the Aggies of North Carolina A&T on the men's side. You talk about another uh, place uh, that really has good uh, crowd involvement. Uh, we saw that with the uh, uh, Corbett. Uh, <laughs> they talk about the parties that go on there. Um, they had that game against Hampton that everybody talked about last week. Uh, but – High points said not so fast. Uh, as they went on the road, they were rolling uh, 3-0, and uh, but they had a tough loss, 78-71, to as they go down to high points. Uh, just to give you some indication with there. Let's go into OVC to give you an update in terms of what that looks like. Uh, as Hampton, I should say, uh, before we do that in terms of standing, uh, they're struggling. Uh, as you talk about the move, they're struggling basketball-wise on the men's side. Women are doing well. On the men's side, they're 4-9 over all 0-2 uh, in the north of the Big South. you got to believe Coach Joyner would get it going. But talking a little bit more about the men's side, let's go in terms of the OVC before we take a deeper dive in terms of the swag. Um, after getting some big wins, you got Tennessee State just kind of staying around that right around that 50 mark. They're two and three overall, seven and ten. So um, not just getting shut out, but um, things are not going quite their way in terms of that last matchup as they lost um, 71 to 64. Morehead State is undefeated at the top of the conference, and then they also lost to Murray State. So they did lose to two of the tougher teams, it looks like, in the conference. So it'll be interesting to see can they keep up and try to make a run at those teams when they get the second opportunity to play those um, in, in terms of what that looks like. Let's get into the SWAC and discuss that a little more in terms of big weekends because I'm not sure what you all are going to say because I certainly have no idea what's going on in terms of the means. It looked like the Braves were going to make some statements. Uh, um Maybe Texas Southern could rebound and kind of start putting themselves in a position. And Southern certainly looked like that they were going uh, to make a statement. But all these teams that were leading in the conference, guess what happened this weekend? They took L. They went on the L train. So you had Southern lose to Grambling. So Grambling actually sweeps Southern in terms of women and the men. Also, we saw that coming. Gets Gets the win against Texas Southern. Classic goes down the stretch. Give them credit on that. But then in terms of Prairie View that has been struggling, uh, they take the L. They went down to the wire. Literally two uh, fouls called where Prairie View goes to the line. Uh, first hits one of two. And then the freshman gets fouled in terms of going to the line. He misses the first one. <laughs> Coach calls a timeout for Prairie View. Coach Smith. And he comes back and really put the pressure on him. He misses the second one. I hate it for the freshman in a lot of ways, but he is young. I'm sure he'll get better. But, yeah, that's a tough one as they go on there. And so look at this. Fam, you, if you want to do an east-west version, fam, you would be at the top of the east sitting at three and two. Alabama State at three and two. Alabama A&M at three and two. But Jackson State that we buried, right, they sit at two and three. Bethune-Cookman that everybody's forgot about. They're sitting at two and three. Mississippi Valley is one and five. 
it's a straight conference, so it's not like that. But I just think this is interesting how you can do it both ways. But at the top of the conference, you would have to go to the West. And the top of the conference would be 4-1 Southern, 4-1 Alcorn. And then you get into these 3-3, three and 3-2 three, three and two type matchups with Grambling also at 3-2 and two with these other teams. Texas Southern, that's just surprising everybody with three losses on the season already, 3-3. Three and three, And none of these are by COVID now. This is on the court that, that they've lost. Uh, Prairie View is trying to get back in it, 2-4. and four. Arkansas Pine Bluff got a big win in terms of getting it done against Bethune-Cookman, at least get their second win of the conference race sitting at two and four. So it is wide open. And it's even Mississippi Valley sitting at one and five. They have the win at Prairie View on the road, but even their home losses, they have been close in terms of that. So they're a much more competitive team. So the men's side is just fascinating. I'm going to stick with you, Charles. Can you call it? What, what, what am I looking at? All my data points got thrown out the window this weekend because I, I did not see uh, – Texas Southern and Prairie View uh, losing uh, to Jackson State. Uh, you had Jackson State coming into the weekend 0-3, a huge win over Prairie View Saturday night, and then the Buttress that come back Monday night and get another win over Texas Southern. And I tell you what, folks, if you have not seen Malachi Wildman, the human highlight film, you, you better get somewhere and catch him because uh, he's coming. It's a dunk near you. Uh, two electrifying dunks. Uh, over the weekend uh, at Prairie View uh, and, and then against Texas Southern as well to close out the game. But Mal Weidman, the dual sports star, football and basketball, and uh, he's only going to get better. He, he really uh, gives this uh, basketball team uh, a shot of electricity uh, when he's out there on the court. Didn't have a great shoot night Monday night, but I tell you what, uh, his presence, I think, is opening up a, a few other players out there on the court for Jackson State. So we'll see how that plays out going forward. But uh, shout out to Graham, like I mentioned, uh, 5,000 people there uh, for the dedication of Willis Reed Court. And then to get that huge uh, win over Southern, that did not go unnoticed on both the women's and the men's side. And, and what can you say about uh, uh, Prairie View bouncing back uh, from the loss on Saturday night, getting a win over a tough, gritty Alcorn team at home? Yeah, I'm hearing Malachi Washington signs a deal uh, in terms of his highlight packages. He reminds <laughs> me to some degree, and this is not trying to throw shade one way or the other. Uh, Derek Griffin is the last yeah. time we've seen a two uh, sports star that really gets yes, And we see where he ended up going in terms of uh, playing some basketball, at least in the D League with the, um, the Laker affiliate franchise out there in LA, greater area. So fascinating when you talk. I can't wait till he gets down here to see if he's able to do it in the gym because Texas Southern certainly uh, will appreciate somebody, uh, a human highlight reel. Mike, you know, Charles broke it down. He didn't know what direction to go. It took it a little bit of everywhere. What are you saying right now? Uh, <clears throat> my data point is now that the, the, it's official, there's parity in the swag. You mm. have four teams sitting at three and two. There's, there's obviously parity. You got Jackson State coming off two wins. They what? They uh, came off a win against Prairie View. They came off against a win against Southern. So they cleaned up in Texas. The, but then when you were wanting to count uh, Prairie View out, guess what? They showed that they still have a pulse. Mm-hmm. We, we, we thought they were out. And guess what? Their big three came back in. So, uh, you know, you got, you know, Juwan Daniels. You got, uh, uh, I, you got uh, who? I, I, I'm sorry, my mind's going to blank. Markedrick Bell, he's another one. Huh? Had a well, yeah, and Bill Mark Bill Kendrick Douglas, Bell. Uh, yeah. Bill Douglas, Jeremiah Gambrell. So, 
So all of a sudden you had a big three of Prairie View showing back up when we thought, you know, they were out for the count. So I think there's parity in the league. Uh, when you have one team that's four and one uh, or two teams that's four and one and about four or five teams sitting at three and two, any team can beat a given night. That's also showing that uh, COVID has a factor. It's going to be the leveling. It's going to be, it's going to level the playing field. Who will be the healthiest at the end of the season? Mm. Who will bring bring the most off the bench? One of the things that concerns you about a couple of the games is like Prairie View had two points coming off the bench. I think Grambling had maybe 10 points coming off the bench. Who's going to have the most depth at the end of the season? Mm. So it's almost like a game of attrition. Oh, I like it. I like it. Great information. Just to give some people the indication uh, in terms of what we're going on here, you're talking about Alcorn State as they get it done against Texas Southern, but it was 73 to 72. Uh, Valley loses Bethune-Cookman, but it was 62-60. Alabama State defeats Alabama A&M. Their rival 59-50. Even the Jackson State game ended up at 11, but it was close uh, until later in the second half uh, as they pulled away with it. But Grambling uh, gets it done just by 6, 83-77. FAMU defeats Pine Bluff 71-66. So you can even see in terms of the scores, they're close. Jackson State over Texas Southern 61-58. Pine Bluff over Bethune-Cookman, 69-63. FAMU over Valley, 78-70. Prairie View over Alcorn, one-point game, 74-73. So even the games themselves have been competitive and close uh, uh, with any indication. So it's fascinating, and you've kind of seen this all year. It'll be interesting to watch to see what goes on here. Uh, Michael Jones says Alcorn missed 10 free throws in the second half. If they hit those shots, game over. Very true. Um, And that gives you an indication of a team that's trying to know how to win against another team that is used to being a championship yeah. where a coach is there. Plus, you know, the players wanted to do it uh, for their coach who's going up against the mentor. So, you know, what does that really mean in terms of that as you're trying to turn that corner? So great points you make there, Mike, um, in terms of the little things are going to be the difference to see that take teams home. Uh, let's take this quick break and we'll at least give you a breakdown when we come back before we Calls it, call it a close with the CIAA and SIEC just to give you updates of who's leading those conference guys on. We'll be right back after this quick break. Well, let's keep it right here in terms of what we're looking at as, as we move into it. Let me give you some updates in terms of what I see going on in the CIAA on the women's side. As we go over there, I do want to give you that update. Uh, with that, in terms of teams in the northern division, we have Elizabeth City State sitting at 12-4. and four. You have Lincoln in Pennsylvania sitting at 12-4. and I mean, 11-4, and four, I should say, overall, but not a lot. A conference games being played, so you have tie uh, in terms of the vision with Elizabeth City State, Lincoln, Pennsylvania, and Virginia State on the women's side sitting at one and zero conference-wise. Uh, Elizabeth City State, Lincoln, Pennsylvania tied at four and one. Right behind that is Virginia State at five and two. Southern Division, uh, you have Claflin sitting at uh, four and eleven uh, in terms of what's going on. So not a lot of teams really playing good basketball in the Southern Division, uh, but you do have sitting at the top, Claflin is 1-0, along with Johnson C. Smith and St. Augustine, uh, but they're 
overall conference record is three and four, one and three, and one and four, respectively. Just think about that, the difference between uh, the northern uh, and southern division in terms of the women. Let's stay with the women in the SIC, give you an indication of what's going on in those standings there. Uh, give you an update um, in terms of those affiliated teams that are wait, waiting to go through their conference transition. You have Allen at 0-4, and, and Edward Waters at, uh, had not played a game. Allen is 4-12 overall um, in terms of what that looks like. Savannah State, in terms of the teams that are competing for the championship, they're rolling. They're still undefeated at 14-0, 8-0 in terms of the SIC race. Benedict is behind them at 11-6, and 6-2. So you see Savannah State has showed that we are real in terms of that match up with Benedict, um, who is looking up a little bit, not used to doing that. But going in terms of the West, Miles is taking care of business at 11-3, and 5-3 in terms of the conference race. But Tuskegee has a better uh, record at 4-1, but just at 9-2 and two overall. Don't get it twisted. You have Lane trying to pull it up at 4-3. Nine and six to give you some indication of what's going on there. Let's get into the men's side to give you some action in terms of what it looks like uh, in terms of the conference race there. Uh, when you talk about the Northern Division, Virginia Union keeps rolling. They sit at 12 and three overall, 1-0 uh, in terms of division, but they're 5-0 and in the conference race. The next closest team is 2-2, two and two, but just sits at 4-11. and 11. So it looks like Virginia uh, Union is doing what we see on the women's side for the sweat with Jackson State in terms of the record, uh, but the games, maybe not so much. In terms of the Southern Division, nine and five gives you Fayetteville State at four and oh in the conference race, but just one and oh, uh, along with Winston Salem State and Livingston that are four and two and three and two, respectively, in terms of what they're doing in the conference. Winston Salem State is 10 and four overall, just to give you some uh, updates in terms of what's going on in terms of the men's side in the CIAA. Let's get to it for uh, the SIAC. Miles is a team to keep your eyes on in terms of what they're able to do. But let's start as we do in terms of the East Division. Benedict is 13-4, and 8-1, and one, so they're rolling. But Morehouse says not so fast, sitting right behind them at 11-6, 8-2. Teams to keep your eyes on in terms of the East. You have Miles that played a lot of games. They're sitting at 5-1. and one. Uh, both in terms of overall and SIC behind them is Tuskegee at nine and seven and five and two. So that'll wrap it up in terms of all the Division Two conference games out of the CIAA SIC. We'll get into some love and Gold Coast Athletic Conference. We'll give you some updates as we get into that next week because I did want to share with them in terms of what they're doing. Some great action being played as you have some top twenty-five teams with Talladega rolling down there. With that being said, let's call it a show. Uh, as we get into some action and we'll start looking at what to look for next week as we do our show on Thursday in terms of Saturday and Monday, starting into the second quarter should be interesting as we get there. Thank you for listening to uh, Mike. You wanted to say something before we close out of here? Yeah, I, this is not an HBCU point, but for those of you with sons and daughters who play those non-traditional sports, Willie O'Ree, the first mm. black NHL player is due to have his jersey honored tonight, uh, 64 years after his historic debut as the NHL's first black player. His jersey will be raised tonight as we're speaking in the Boston Bruins uh, stadium. So what makes it so what makes it so unique? 
Number one, it took a long enough to recognize his Hall of Fame career. And then the second thing is he only had one eye and he had a Hall of Fame career. So uh, Willie O'Ree, um, little props out to him, NHL hockey player, first African-American uh, player in the NHL. So a little bit of history uh, for that. So, Well done. Well done. I'm glad you jumped in there. A new uh, parent of a lacrosse. Uh, sons would find a way to make sure he splits up the history. Uh, hadn't been able to get in hockey in terms of HBCU, so we'll see what that means coming in. You do have Tennessee State. I guess they're still looking at that study that they put out there a little bit earlier, so we'll see. Maybe they'll be able to get it done. I am Dr. Yana Kavir, the Dean of HBCU Sports, coming from inside the lab, College of HBCU Sports with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Again, we want to thank you for listening to uh, Dr. Ville's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington, and Charles Bishop. You know, every Tuesday and Thursday, look for us on Thursday at 6 o'clock. We look forward to the next week as we discuss the latest in the news in the lab. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Inside the HBCU Sports Lab 1 on YouTube. Facebook and YouTube is Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. I should say that's Twitter that's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab 1. Dream big and continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Mike? Of course. Charles? Lecture. Dismissed.